Welcome to the Shutdown Fullcast. This is the first of our bi-weekly Fullcasts. We've gone to twice a week. The Megacast. The Megacast. We've gone to basically recap and preview, which we take that very loosely. Today's probably going to be pretty recap-ish because week two in college football. Oh, you, you, you dirty. You dirty thing, you. It's just so much action across the board. It's going to take a lot. We're going to take at least 45 minutes to figure out exactly what just happened. I think you just warned people that they're in for a one hour and 70 minute pot. Now that would be a two hour. But yeah, we're going to go way past 45. Yeah, you've, you've cursed. Bad. You've cursed us. We have never done it. We have never done a podcast where Spencer mentions the time either before or during that he estimates it will take. And we ever came even close to that. Yeah, I, I think we can be done in like 35 minutes. Two Why? days, two days later. Oh my god! I've shit myself. <laughs> send food. <laughs> send us send supplies. Help. We're gonna do it. It'll be fine. I um, I, I do want to mention this week though that that we're just gonna Jason's gonna call out two things that happened. We're gonna re- we're gonna reserve because a lot of things happened. Okay, you had Clemson Auburn playing. You had Oklahoma and Ohio State playing. In what ended up being a really interesting game. I was kind of down on the evening games for a second. And then that one started to pick up and interesting things happened. That was fascinating. You had USC Stanford. Which because it was on Fox and it was on the West Coast. People might be sleeping on just how much ass USC managed to kick in that game. Just truckfuls of ass. Like as much ass as wasn't in the Coliseum today for the Rams game. Right? <laughs> My favorite thing, which is, yes. hey, nobody's in this game. Let's take pictures of it. Yeah, because yes. people are smart. Oh, you want to see Scott Tolzien? No. Why would <laughs> I want to watch a garbage Colts team where the coach thinks that he just got beat by the 49ers? A real thing Chuck Pagano said in the post-game press conference. What did he say? Chuck Pagano, there, you know, was giving his opening remarks about the Colts getting their asses kicked and says, yeah, you know, we, uh, as you can see, we got our asses kicked by the 49ers today. Not the team they played. <laughs> not even the other team in Los Angeles. I mean, I don't think it's fair they made the Colts play the whole NFC West. That ain't right. <laughs> That's, You know, they only recruit the best there because it's a meritocracy. It's not like college football. You've got people who have these, like, birthrights and stuff. Nope, nope. It's, uh, it's a man's league there. Got to earn your keep. Let's check Bergano's record. Don't do See, this. Fine, I'll no? look. I'll look. I'll, no, I'll I'll look. No, don't don't look. He's not. No, what's looking. the equivalent in our sport? You say like you're playing Ohio State and you're like, well, we got a big game against the Ohio Bobcats this week. No, you no, could... it's not. It's not even close because like at least that you can be like, yeah, you know, both like have Ohio in it. One's fucking Los Angeles. Yeah. The other one's San Francisco. It's the same state. It's a very big state. So maybe it's like, it's well, Chuck- we're, we're playing North Texas. No, you're playing UTEP. Is Chuck Pagano Italian or French? Like one of those Euro tours who goes, I have come here and I'm going to uh, see your country. Uh, I'm going to go to uh, Miami and then San Francisco. Are those close? Those still look close on the map. So it's three hours, four hour drive. <laughs> Chuck Pagano Can is, I walk it? Chuck Pagano is uh, 49 and 31 at Indianapolis. So not terrible. No, no, no. He's doing okay. Not terrible. Um, eight, and, eight and eight in 2015 and 2016. And boy, Eight and eight would be a a goddamn coup if he pulls it off this year. Which NFL coach is he? Is he the bald one or does he have the goatee? 
He has the <laughs> yeah. He's got the um. Chuck Pagano sort of looks like he used to have a biker past, but has since given it up. Also, because Wikipedia is Wikipedia, the picture of Chuck Pagano is when is uh from his time as defensive coordinator with the Baltimore Ravens. Wikipedia, we're trying. Have we now spent more time talking about the Colts than whatever the Internet's Greatest Colts podcast is? Yeah. Will this week? Sorry. So let's – but Spencer, Spencer was alluding – here's how I want to let Jason – Jason only wants to affirmatively talk about two things from week two. And how I want that to happen, if it's all right with y'all. Jason, whenever you're tired of something Spencer and I have brought up, just like interject forcefully and bring it. You have these two cards you can lay down and we will immediately yield our time to you. Yeah, that's what we're trying to get to. Can we bring this back after Florida plays? I don't I'm not familiar with that school. Man. Mm. No. I'm, I'm, what if what if I hang on to one of these cards for after next? Oh, week? oh, after Florida! You mean the university? Florida. You mean the University of Chicago of the South, a school <laughs> that was great at football and then decided for academic reasons not to play the sport anymore, and rejected after. the Big Ten's overtures to that effect. And just like the University of Chicago, there is a radioactive element on campus. That's it's very, it's very good, yeah, and full of bad ideas. Remember, that's what the what did the University of Chicago do? What if society didn't exist? <laughs> That'd be good. What do we have? We have a nuclear reactor. We abolished football. We decided maybe we should rip apart the fabric of society for a dollar. I there mean, you go. The alternative would be a Division One football program that has a nuclear reactor. So, oh, that's Alabama probably. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah, Florida, Florida had one for a while. Then they sold it. Pawned it. <laughs> yeah, don't ask. Hey, what happened to it? Not sure. <laughs> If anyone knows what happened to Florida. How did you lose a nuclear reactor in a divorce? Man, I don't want to talk about it. All right. I wanted the Camaro and I got the Camaro. Peg wanted to hurt me. Okay. The divorce wasn't about sense. It was about emotions. All right. Well, let's Spencer, you started talking about USC Stanford. Let's at least uh, it's not the most important game, arguably, of the of week two. But um, yeah, just a thorough ass beaten. Of Stanford and Stanford hung in there, but by the end, just just a thorough, thorough ass beat. Yeah, no, no, no. This is this is very looking at pretty much the best possible result for USC in a lot of ways. Came out kind of flat against Western Michigan. Not flat here, no sir. Sam Darnold uh, had kind of a lackluster day against Western Michigan. Uh, not here, no sir. Twenty-one for twenty-six, three sixteen, four TDs. His forehead was looking big and glorious. He did throw two interceptions, but I don't know, man. Stanford's good. You know, he's one of those quarterbacks. He's going to throw a couple. It's going to happen. Yeah, when you go 21 of 26, if two of your five incompletions are interceptions and you throw four touchdowns, it's fine. That's hey, you fine. Know what? So- someone's catching the ball. That's Keeping right. the ball off the ground. <laughs> completable. Thought- he's throwing completable balls, right? That's, what, that's the lesson inter- here. Interceptions should go as completions because, yeah, you are throwing a completable ball, right? Sam Donald should be 23 for 26. Only three of those balls hit the ground because that's just how attractive his throws are. The more important thing for USC in this, though, was against the stout, allegedly stout Stanford front. Uh, Stanford gave up 307 yards rushing. USC had 200-yard rushers. If you've got two guys who can put up 100 on Stanford, you are going to be a fucking handful. 
to play, no matter who you're playing, which coincidentally, I'm going to watch Texas USC next week just to see this in person, right? Just to see if Tom Herman could sprinkle a little pixie dust. There's there's no pixie dust in LA, by the way. It's it's been incinerated. The last Burned. the last team to run for that many yards against a Stanford defense, the Oregon Ducks in 2010 when they ran for 388. Seven. That's the that's the Darren Thomas ducks. That's the Michael James ducks. Mm-hmm. Ken John Barner in there, like. So yeah, this is a this is a historic occasion for sure. Yeah. And also, you know, that Oregon season turned out pretty well, all told. Yeah, Michael Michael Dyer was down. First of all, I wasn't going to bring that up. I just as of now, Michael Dyer even being in the game. That you're playing well, no, that'd probably be better for Auburn at this point. Never mind, can't even mm. be better for Oregon. Can he block? Yeah, that'd be good if you can have two guys in the backfield who could run. Apparently, that's what Auburn needs. Apparently, that's that's what they don't have. Well, I think what it would be nice if Michael Dyer, if they had some spare eligibility, which that sounds far fetched. That dude was like an eight year senior. Um, <laughs> I think he's still playing somewhere. He's still kicking around somewhere. If you could line him up next to Jarrett Stidham and have like a decoy quarterback and like somehow trick Clemson's defensive line into sacking the wrong guy. Mm. That'd be a pretty good idea, sure, right? Like like a Saddam Hussein body double. Yes. That's the way and to go. He, and then, I mean, it, Jarrett Stidham is assassinated because he's taller. He's the bigger target. Right. Well, he's, he's, the statue, he's the statue that gets pulled down. So statue, the statue's got to be top. <laughs> are, are you, I mean, it's not like I mean Alabama's got some spare statues if you need them. I just how many how many false saviors does this make for Auburn under Gus Malzahn at this point? Like Auburn never has Auburn never it feels like Auburn never enters the season with just like, yeah, we got this guy at quarterback. We think he's pretty good, you know. Not gonna be amazing, but like hopefully we'll do enough. It's either ah, oh, Auburn's got nothing, or Auburn has Tim Tebow and Peyton Manning's secret love child coming out, and he's made entirely of passing yards, and he's going to give them out to the world. Also, he transferred from another school. That's always a key factor. Right. Now, if you defense at the other school, then you're on to (laughs) something. That's that's so sick and so true. (laughs) The best quarterback he's had post-cam, right? Because remember, Gus is offensive coordinator for that team. But the best quarterback he's had was a converted DB. Dick Marshall. Clemson just... Auburn only got to 117 yards. And, and, look, and in, confu- want... in confusing fashion, they did so with a time of possession of 32 and a half minutes. Which, like, I don't understand what you were doing in that time span. Were you? I, I feel like I feel like Auburn just decided like let's just run clock from the word go, let's just run as much clock as possible. This was there. There were a couple of teams this week who are guilty of loitering, just eating up clock and not doing much with it. No one's a worse violator of this than Pitt, who Pitt had something like thirty-eight plus yards of possession and 30, yeah, fourteen th- points. Yeah, they had almost thirty-nine minutes of possession. <laughs> Uh, With a lot of first downs. Yeah, and they, like but they at least, they, Pitt at least, 
outgained Penn State. So, like, they just couldn't finish drives or, like, get drives to go long. They, they had shitty field position a lot, and Penn State didn't. Were they, were they arm punted because Max Brown? Whew. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> that, boy, that boy loves an arm punt. But Auburn, it's just like, how do you spend so much time doing nothing? Well, putting your quarterback back together takes some time. You got to, you know, find the right socket to put the arm in. Mm-hmm. You got to f- download the instruction manual if you, you know, because you don't want to just go by memory. You might put a leg on backwards. I feel like I feel like what Auburn did was the equivalent of when you wake up on, you know, a Saturday in the summer and you're like, I'm going to get some stuff done today. I'm going to go to the gym. <laughs> and then eight hours later, you're like, all I did was play Bioshock. Shit. <laughs> I spent time. Time was spent. Nothing okay. happened. Next Saturday, it's going to be different. It's going to be different. Next Saturday morning. I'm not going to be surrounded by nine LaCroix cans. I can't fit to the recycling because I didn't even take it out today. All right. I got 17 to-dos. I'm going to get all of them done. Okay. I got one of them done. <laughs> one for 17. So here are – I'm just going to read the yardage gain for all of Auburn's drives in the second half, at which, at which the score was 7-6. to six. So this was still a close game that Auburn could have won. Are you ready? Yeah. <clears throat> 2, 5, 6, negative 5, 17, negative 5. That's a damn phone number. <laughs> well, it's weird to have negatives in a phone number, but Auburn, you figured it out. Auburn, uh, Auburn would do it. That's what that dash in the middle is. See, yeah, Auburn's got what... that. Auburn's got that negative phone number, so it can't be hacked by the Equifax <laughs> hackers. You'll never <laughs> have four ours. Four, negative four. Oh wait, you know what has two dashes? This is a social security number, so that's what this is. And no one, and you know what? No one in Auburn has one. So <laughs> no Ain't no security in that backfield, bro. Mm-hmm. It's very social, though. Clemson, come on over. It's true. You know what? You, you know how many friends Jarrett Stidham had over last night? Eleven. He made eleven new friends. I mean, <laughs> I mean, but but on the other hand, one of their two scoring drives went for one yard. So, yeah, just for, <laughs> for that game, our like the the main posts we did right at the buzzer was just that's a lot of sacks, basically, and uh, we were writing it as if Auburn had zero prayer, you know. And somebody says something like, "Well, they might run back a punt." That was it. That was the entire only way this game could possibly swing. If like ah, Clemson dropped the ball in the end zone and Auburn fell on it, just I, I, it's crazy to see an offense that hopeless and it's a Gus Malzahn offense. I mean, Ryan and I watch Florida all the time. This was yeah, that's this true. Is a, this is a this is a hopeless offense even by our standards. Sorry, sorry guys. I'm <laughs> glad. Hey, this? I'm real yeah. glad we don't play this year though, Auburn, because no. You know no. what the contamination was? It was um, Florida's AD called Auburn to see about playing the game there. That's as true. Our Richard Johnson reported, and, so, and and a worm snuck through the phone. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Gotcha. That's how Russia does it. I want you to think about this. If you do like Jared Stidham was att- was sacked eleven times in about three and a half hours, right? Yeah. So yeah. I want you to think about doing anything 11 times in, in that shortest span of time. <laughs> if you have 11 drinks, if you were, uh, if you ate 11 times, if you, I, you know what, if you did 11 heavy reps of an exercise, if you, 
if you played 11 video games, right? 11 sessions of a video game in three hours. It's excessive when you go, man, doing anything 11 times in that span of time sounds ridiculous. Now imagine this. Jared Stidham got hit at full speed or dragged to the ground 11 times in three and a half hours. He had a very bad game. I want you to feel very bad for him. Because, uh, one, he's not being paid that much. And two, uh, he's in a lot of pain. That had hurt. Like, I was watching that and I was like, I feel as bad for him as I have felt for anyone since uh, C.J. Beathard in, in Iowa's last bowl game against Florida. That, that was the last time I felt this bad for a quarterback. Yeah, I got to go back to Kirk Cousins against Alabama. <laughs> Good Lord. That wasn't, that wasn't That's always the gold standard for me because it was like, <laughs> I... I want him to stop. So good news, Jared Stidham. You're going to get a huge NFL contract one day from yeah, the 49ers. Yeah. You, you, 49, like? The 49er Rams. <laughs> yeah. He's, he, did you know Jared Stidham 6'4"? I don't know. You might want to look at that young man. Hmm. Might be, might be something to look into. Yeah, I didn't watch any of this game, and I don't regret it. Oh, no, I watched it. It was bad. There was a lot going on at once, so I'll go ahead and slap down one of my cards. Yeah. Um, please, This please. was... So the prime time was just stupid, stupid, stupid loaded, and everyone knew it. You had the two games we've discussed so far. You also had Ohio State, Oklahoma, and you also had Georgia, Notre Dame, which was a far bigger deal than um, you know the rankings and whatnot would have suggested. Which is kind of cool, it's a college campus trip and all that. But you had all these big, big, big noisy games going on, and they were all kind of flat in the first half they were all you know lots and lots of defense but not defense like you know oh look at this dude got lit up look at this pick six you know not like uh, and and it wasn't like a single game you could focus on like lsu bama every year where it's three to three but it's oh those are two nfl defenses you had all this going on and there's kind of this weird lull and then howling out of that lull came an 87 yard fumble that was touched by five, six, seven, eight different players and resulted in Louisiana Tech having a third and 93 from their own seven-yard line. And it just completely took over college football internet for a half hour, an hour, somewhere in there, until like one of the one of the big games asserted itself. Like they might have been looking up and realizing instead of we been sacked eight times, and we all said, oh, okay, we better get back to serious business. But... It was just amazing seeing it. something that stupid completely steal everyone's attention away from four games that mattered quite a bit, and I was very happy about that. Well, but what did they do after that when they were faced with third and goal from their own seven? They made up quite a bit of it, if I recall. Like, the next play... I'm not going to look it up. Facts don't matter. But the next play, I seem to recall it being like a fourth and 67. Like, they made up a nice chunk of it. Yeah, because if you're facing... Think about it. Everyone says, well, there's nothing in the playbook for third and ridiculous number, right? What's in the defensive playbook for third? (laughs) You're like, well, go go stand on the 50? Like, you could just line up 11 men on the 50, right? (laughs) Like, you're just... I don't know. Make a wall. That works you know, against BYU. You know, with BYU, every down is third and 93. <laughs> so, so they had fourth and goal from their own 28. And at this point, the score was 57 to 14. We are talking about, like, the start of the fourth quarter at this point. 
there is no way that that Louisiana Tech was going to come back from this deficit. So why not just go for it on fourth and goal from your own 20? Like, isn't it more interesting to say, like, you know what? Yeah, you beat us by 40 points. But we converted on fourth and goal from the 28 because you got a dumb penalty and kept our stupid drive alive. Yeah, like, is there a 1 in 100 chance you would have landed that shot? Sure. I think so. Sure. Why what not? Is, what it, Listen, like, man, if there's one lesson of 2017, it's let's just do it and be legends, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I would say that, that the all-PI offense is pretty much the only way to go there, mm-hmm. right? Either that or your best screen, because there's nothing more humiliating than trying your best screen. Which team was it, by the way, that tried the UMass? The screen in the end zone this week? You're talking about the Hail Mary screen? No, not the Hail Mary oh, screen. Okay, there okay. was a team there was another team that ran a, a screen from their own end zone? Yes. Oh, I missed this. God, I yeah. didn't see this and I don't want to. No, because if you remember, like the best example of this was 2010 Rutgers, who yeah. who tried to run a screen out of their own end zone, and I believe George Selvey decided to get himself two points out of that real quickly. Because when you catch the ball two yards deep in your own end zone on a screen, uh, sometimes they don't fall for it. Ah, it was it was in the Pitt Penn State game because Sean Watson called the screen. And uh, guess what, y'all? Screen, when you catch it two yards deep in your own end zone, uh, sometimes that cornerback manages to beat the lineman. Because uh, cornerbacks are faster than linemen, and they like to tackle people. And they tackled them in the end zone and, and, and got a safety. Thus avenging, by the way, the keychain-worthy upset last year of Penn State by Pitt. That's, uh, that's no longer happening, evidently. And James Franklin wants you to know that this was not a big deal for Penn State. So not a big deal. <laughs> it, was All right? like beating, it was just like beating Akron. Okay. So not a big, not did not matter. Did not, ne- we never think about Tiffany. She left <laughs> eight years ago and we just, we never think, we don't know what she's doing on Instagram or Facebook. We don't know if she's still with Brad. We don't know how their two children, Brad Jr., and Bliffany are doing. We don't I think Bliff- we don't think Bliffany's a dumb name because we don't think about Tiffany anymore. <laughs> Never had a single thought about Bliffany Never. or Pitt. <laughs> Bliffany and or Pitt. I we love don't. like the yeah, coach got him. Coach got coach got those bastards. Yeah, like wait, wait, which 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 bastards did he get? I I can't say. I, I can't tell you. It was I don't a good, know. Hey, he you got know some what? bastards. It was a good day for coaches all up in their feelings. And this is how we're going to talk about the Notre Dame Georgia game. <laughs> I like the segue. I can't give you a more solid burn, and I can't really say anything nastier about Notre Dame or the effort or or Brian Kelly, because you know there's a lot of ways you could go to this. Because uh, one, you have uh, how many how many points? That's one. They lost this game by one point, right? Yeah, yeah. Twenty nineteen. Yeah. Not one possession. One not point. One, not one possession. Well, coach, wouldn't that one point? Okay. One point. A point is a is point five of a possession. That and uh, that and you could easily go. Oh, well, this is clearly like a Georgia team that's not as talented as Notre Dame is on paper. They're just not. 
They're not as organized. They probably don't have the recruits that Notre Dame has. By a margin. He added didn't, it didn't, up. They didn't have the starting quarterback they thought they'd have entering Certainly the not. Already on their backup in Jake Frome, right? Whereas Winbush has established the starter there. Had a great game against Temple last week. You could go a lot of different ways. This is played at home. It's played in Notre Dame. All that mystique. All that mist. Yeah. This, you can go a lot of different yes. ways. Yeah, the the the, the eerie. By that he means M Y S T because no, like uh, okay. the island, Notre Dame fans were not there. Nobody was there for Notre There's Dame. Nobody there. Yeah, you get lost. You don't know why you're there. Oh, maybe they were. You know what? Since they're such good students, maybe they were stuck in books, just like Mist. It's not mm. their fault. They were studying maybe, too hard. Maybe it's just all the locals vaping so hard, just seeks into the stadium, seeps into the stadium. That was so. I have been to a game like that i don't i think it was either oh three or oh four somewhere around that florida played miami at home and florida fans and there was were, smoke everywhere yeah well florida fans were pretty sure that they were that the gators were going to get killed so a bunch of people sold their tickets to miami fans and it sucks it sucks to it sucks to have that happen it is it is deeply unpleasant and i understand why some Notre Dame fans are very pissed at their fellows for doing this. But as a neutral, even though I was rooting for neutral now, third party observer, I was rooting for Georgia at the time. It's real. It's real. It's real, real funny when you see like, oh, the storied, storied South Bend, Notre Dame Stadium, where legends have lived and died and lived again. Like, you're just like, oh, boy. Lot of lot of brogans up in here. Lot of brogans and Brady's. Well, no, <laughs> Brady, I guess, is on the Notre Dame side. By the way, shout, quick, a lot quick, of Bortlets. Quick, 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 quick shout out to an actual brogan. By the way, that would be that'd be Brogan Roback, <laughs> a name we are not making up. Eastern Michigan's own starting quarterback, Brogan Roback, who looks exactly like what you like. He looks exactly like what a Brogan Roback would be. Brogan Roback as a starter got Eastern Michigan's first win against an FBS opponent. That's right. Power five. Opponent. Power five. Sorry. An FBS ever. They've never won an FBS. Brogan is gone. But Brogan Roback got their first win against Power Five. I believe they were uh, 0 for 24 before this, or 0 for 25. Oh, no. They were like 0 for 58. Whatever, man. He got the first. It was a lot. Oh, Brogan! 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 Brogan Brogan, uh, beat Rutgers single handedly. I'll just say he did it single handedly. 16 13. He kicked those field goals. I mean, sure. He, he He threw a touchdown. He had a fine day. He caught it, too. He didn't. He didn't throw an interception. Um, he didn't take a sack, taking them out of scoring range on the final possession of the game. Now, did he? Because I tuned in to the end of that. It was Big Ten alternate, which really made me question whether, as a society, we have our priorities priorities right. And that I heard, "Ooh, Eastern Michigan Rutgers coming down to the wire. I should watch that." And I was able to watch it. <laughs> That's not good. That's not right. I shouldn't be allowed easy access to that. I just how did how did how did Rutgers score more points against Washington than they did against Eastern Michigan? Body I clocks. Don't understand it. Answer what I like here. Me. Well, 
right now we have on edge every Notre Dame fan and Georgia fan. Sure. Because every Notre Dame fan knows the burn is coming, the punchline is coming, but it's mm-hmm. been derailed by Eastern Michigan Rutgers, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. like, yeah, oh man, you you fell behind them on the fight card. That sucks. And then every Georgia fan is just, come on, say it, say it, say what we did to their stadium. <laughs> well, all right. There is this. First of all, congratulations, Eastern Michigan. Uh, man, Rutgers completely spit the bit at the end of that game because they're supposed to. Okay. Or, all right. Let's go back to Airbnb. That's what I'm really calling did. it. All right, but uh, in but going back to going back to the shell of the myth of the wreck of what used to be Notre Dame, Airbnb. they don't have a big alumni base, right? They have about twenty thousand season tickets, and then the rest of them are single games, and you can buy those, and that consequently, if a fan base is bound to determine to just get it in. Because they're never coming back to this place, i.e., Georgia, then they're going to get up all those tickets, and that's why Notre Dame's field looked like 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 some sort of half Georgia Notre Dame alumni function. Boy, that'd be a twisted thing. But that's do you think there'll be anybody at the Masters next year? Like, did our state just empty out its bank account? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Indiana is rich. Delta. Well, no, because. Yeah, the, pe- no, the people who took the people oh, who took three thousand right. dollars from Delta not to go to the game, they'll go so to the Masters. Just flipping I, Delta money. I saw Georgia. <laughs> I saw Georgia fans on Twitter who were like, "Yo, man, those are Masters passes on the last day." <laughs> they were already planning. They're like, "No, take that, and then you take that money, and you get mm-hmm. Masters passes for the weekend." That's how this works, son. Hey, buddy, that 2025 UCLA trip, I'm gonna get tickets right now and turn that into monster trucks. I mean, I mean. <laughs> This was this was a pretty this was a very golf football game because Georgia was just for Georgia was just like oh and another penalty that's going to cut co- oh that's going to cut co- oh but he he saves par with a brilliant three on a oh my goodness and Georgia has won the oldest whitest game of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I like the golf analogy there because it's like I mean shit was real Georgia. You know, like it, the penalties weren't just oh darn. You know, it was it was like it was like it, it was like a pickup just mudding all up and down Notre Dame's field. Mm. Sorry yeah, about was, your turf. Yeah, it was a muni. It wasn't a private course. Let let let, it, let us bring our dog in here. So, so I like to ask an earnest question, and I'm not trying to tweak anybody here. Why were Georgia fans so hyped for this game, and why were they so hyped to win it? Other than the fact that. It's a win on the road against a ranked opponent, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I don't understand what's special about Notre Dame that has Bulldog fans, like, really, really excited. They'd never been to South Bend before. Is that it? Yeah. It's, what's part of, it's part of it. It's one part you of it. you got to remember, we're very, like, we're very cynical about Notre Dame because we know that, for the most part, the entire mythos of that program is a lie. Right. Right. Based in like crappy recruiting and this insane kind of borderline racist myth about it being like, you know, the place of opportunity as opposed to like a horrible hive of future hedge fund managers like, you know, and Ted Leo and everyone I know at Notre Dame. You're all pleasant people. Right. If I know you personally. Um, But otherwise, it's, you know, just this kind of little. Wasteoid hive. Are you are, are you sure it's not just like a now I can. Now I can really dive all the way into my 1981 Sugar Bowl sex fantasy. 
I think part there's, of it, yeah. I think there's part of that, but I think that for most people, especially most Georgia fans, like it would still represent a chance to go to some place they thought was significant or interesting, as opposed to like a place where, you know, they. I saw somebody on Twitter who was a reporter who was like said he saw two Georgia fans. One was like, "They got a whole building for hockey." Well, that's what the map says. And <laughs> go and go was, Thrashers. Yeah, and it was presented with this mock like. <laughs> the rooms. They're so surprised we have a building for hockey. Suck my dick, dude. First like of all, you're the one with the building for hockey. Yeah. Can't nobody make you put that there. So, like, I mean, the Georgian, this particular breed of Georgian is a person who is all about landmarks. Um, mm-hmm. As we've seen in the news lately, for, <laughs> for good and for bad at times, um, you know, the Masters. So, like, Notre Dame, that's the Masters of football. Oh, right. In a whole lot of ways. Sure. The color scheme kind of matches in some ways. Yeah, There's you got that. the green. Yeah, you probably do get a green jacket out of this. Probably, yeah, and I mean, the food probably is like $1 because it would be uncouth to charge $1.50. So you have that, and you also have a bunch of Southern Baptists getting one over on some Yankee Catholics. That's so, true. like, there's. There's two sides of the coin here. There's this deep respect, and you did see, like, let's go see Wrigley, you know, let's let's get some Notre Dame gear that we'll never wear. And then there's also like, you know, you know, y'all don't got a Waffle House, well, yeah, fuck you, steak and shake sucks, you know, like, you two sides <laughs> of the coin at once. I also think that Notre Dame is kind of the, you know, television commercial commemorative coin of football programs, right? And there's some Georgia fans who'll buy commemorative coins off of TV. So that was one reason. There's one big reason we haven't mentioned yet. I think Georgia fans thought they were going to win this game and they wanted to go see it. They were right. <laughs> hey, good job, y'all. I mean, good good job. And I will tell you, one of the funniest things throughout the week, and a very endearing thing, is watching Georgia fans just be unapologetic, drunk rednecks at every single opportunity through the week. Brian Kelly's call-in show, did they show up and do the – What's that coming down the track? Did they do that chant during Brian Kelly's pregame show? Hell yes, they did. Was he annoyed? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because he didn't well, have a sense of humor. Usually. Yeah. But oh, yes, he, they, he did seem to notice it. <laughs> did, did they do that at the Cubs game? Yeah, they did it at the Cubs game. They did. Was there a video of them doing that in the bathroom? Wrigley Field. <laughs> yes, there like, was. <laughs> like, man, man. Hey, hey, Chicago, you're a beautiful town. Guess what? Now you're Jacksonville because Georgia's here. <laughs> Can't. The best part was at every opportunity, I'm very proud of Georgia fans for this. They were can't take y'all anywhere. That was it. They were like, what is it? Oh man, can't take y'all anywhere. We're here at Shed's Aquarium and they're looking at a whale like, what's that coming down? <laughs> the whale's just like, oh God. Oh Jesus. I went drinking with Champ Bailey once. Does that count? <laughs> Champ, Champ, he's a good guy. He's, he's a good, good man. He's a good man. He's a good man. Uh, so yeah, but this was big. This is big, man. Georgia goes in with the backup quarterback. They go to Notre Dame. It's a pretty good Notre Dame team. I don't. I don't care if Brian Kelly's a dick. That hasn't changed. Pretty good Notre Dame team. Good offense. You held them. You you kept them in check. They weren't able to run the ball for anything. They only ran for fifty five yards. They 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 averaged three and a half yards per play. They were three of seventeen mm-hmm. on third down. Um, and that's with a whole bunch of Georgia penalties. So yeah, that's real and that's real promising. Like a super sloppy performance 
all around in terms of penalties and procedural stuff for Georgia. They still managed to eke out a 2019 win, and uh, they take over half the stadium. This may be as good as it gets for Georgia's season, and that's fine. Probably. I mean, I, I think we saw last year with beating Notre Dame in a uh, highly <clears throat> hyped game can can result in. <laughs> look, I, I look forward to USF coach Kirby Smart. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Louisville. Let's talk about Louisville, North Carolina. Oklahoma. Now, Oklahoma, Ohio State, we will get to you. We're saving saving the entree for last. Are we going to do two straight episodes where we just keep punting Oklahoma, Ohio State? No, we'll get there. We'll, I prom- no, we'll get, we'll get there. After, we'll get there after this. I promise. Well, well it'd be gotta, even better if we, if we, if we swore we would and then didn't. I mean, that does sound extremely on brand. We should have like a ticker, like ESPN does the coming debate up. subjects that are coming up, and like it just it, the ticker's like always like, what the fuck is happening? Like, <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. We've lost oh. the plot. Oh no. Now we're back to the Colts. Who's now? Um, <laughs> Lamar Jackson is averaging 505 yards of offense a game. If he, if Lamar Jackson were a team by himself, and I would posit that in many ways he already is, uh, he would be 26th in the nation. He's awesome. North Carolina has problems, although um, so, does, so does Louisville at this Big. point. Big problems. North Carolina has massive problems. Lamar Jackson is, is has has not missed a beat at this point. Just looks amazing and awesome. And does he make the occasional bad decision? Yep. Does he have to? Because they're this team might have to score thirty five to forty five points a game to win. Yeah, that too. Uh, mm-hmm. Is this all going to come crashing down against that Clemson team? It really might, and not because, not because I think Lamar Jackson's going to. I mean, he, listen, he's probably not going to put up five hundred five against Clemson, but Clemson might not let him on the field because Louisville, your defense, it's uh, it's got some issues. They they have some issues, and those were less noticeable because. Uh, the UNC defense is on fire, just playing with playing with gumballs and sparklers on their heads. Just hey, out here to have some fun, on fire the entire time that they're on the field. Um, what you should know about Lamar Jackson in this game, though, is this. And and I ask you, did did either of you watch a substantial portion of this? I would say yeah. I watched about uh, a twenty to thirty percent of it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I probably watched sixty to seventy percent of this game, and. It was stunning how relaxed he is right now. He is so smooth. Like last year, I remember on pass plays, it was, all right, I got to look at this guy. Then I got to look at this guy. I got to, okay, now I have to run, right? He would go one read, two read, go. And now Lamar Jackson is kind of seeing the matrix and letting everything flow. And it's really cool to watch. And in this game, even when he was harried, I think it was his second touchdown pass where They got a corner blitz, as Greg McElroy called the cat blitz, right? Just boop, right off the corner. And he dodged the dude, shook him off of his ankles, looked downfield, and threw the longest touchdown pass he'd ever thrown. Right down the seam, in a perfect coverage, splitting two safeties right to an open wide receiver. And it was a bomb. It was beautiful. He now can do things like 
when receivers like he can throw to running backs and, and wide receivers in the flats because defenses are so committed to just hemming him in that there's space there. He when he takes off on runs now, he doesn't do it with that kind of pell mell picking his way through. Nope, just glides. Yeah, it's he, scary. He, it's scary how good he could be. Now he's keeping his head up. Is the yeah the the football uh, cliche? You know, like on that one touchdown, it he could have easily scrambled for a first down. He could have made an amazing play. He could have gained twenty, thirty yards, and everyone would have loved it. But you know, like you say, he he is learning how to keep his options open as he goes. He had. Over 500 yards of offense and six TDs by himself. And in doing so, I never felt like he forced a thing. How the hell do you do that? <laughs> How? How in, in football, a game where it's like, well, just take what the defense gives you, typically means you're just sort of nibbling down the field. Uh, he averaged 10 yards completion. He averaged 6.9 yards a rush. Nice. He did terrifying things. All at this pace that just, like, that's how talented he is and how fast he is. That he was doing everything at a pace that appeared to be different than everyone else on the field. So this is just me. I'm going to be in awe of, like, at least two people this week. He's one of them. Baker Mayfield's the other, right? In a very different kind of way. Lamar Jackson doesn't look like he's hurrying at all. Baker Mayfield looks like he is playing with his hair on fire every single minute of every single play. And now we can talk about... Oklahoma, Ohio State. Thank you. Yeah, not kicking that down the field. Segway's here. It's about flag disrespect for me. First of all, flag and field disrespect. <laughs> you know, flags. I mostly yeah. watch. I watch the games to see if somebody will do something disrespectful. Because otherwise, I view I view football to be the most respectful thing you can do to another person. And when you decide that hitting somebody in the head and ribs and legs repeatedly which we've all decided is okay, is not enough for you, and you decide to to bring a flag out? Like, you're, so, like, you're not Neil Armstrong, son. You get in a goddamn Apollo rocket if you want to put a flag somewhere. Purdue right? ain't on this sideline. Purdue is not on this goddamn sideline. And if they were, eh, well, they might have put up about as much fight as Ohio State did, actually. Sorry. However... Is isn't it true that all flags are worthy of standing at attention and respect, and anyone who does not do so is disrespecting the flag? Listen, because, I mean, I think it could be argued that Ohio State laying down was disrespectful to Oklahoma's flag. I have to just go ahead and cite that it is a delightful piece of coincidental irony that Oklahoma, home of the land, the original land thieves went and staked a claim on Ohio's field. They staked a claim on a place called Columbus. Layers. Like, you went and named yourself after Columbus, and that didn't even stop it. <laughs> no, no, no. You're slipping the script. <laughs> so you take you take this crystal ball, Cologne. Aye. And JT Barrett has smallpox, so it all works out. Mm-hmm. The whole offense. whole offense is diseased at the moment. A lot of scurvy all throughout the wide receivers, their hands. I think they've melted more of a new, more of a nutritional deficiency overall, right? A space issue, a real estate issue. Cause nobody's got yards. Yeah, this is, this is bad. JT Barrett. You can't, I don't want to blame JT Barrett because nobody's open. 
nobody's open downfield and and those crossing routes that they relied on against Indiana, they just weren't there for some reason. Like Paris Campbell looked like a god against Indiana. And against Oklahoma, he had 27 yards and three catches. That's it. Oh, oh like their leading receiver was KJ Hill. KJ Hill didn't have 50 yards receiving. They kept it all in front of them. Now, you know, Kevin Wilson's a really, really smart coach. Nervin Meyer's a really, really smart coach. And this must be bad because those are two smart guys who can't get this loose. Whereas Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley, you, the leading receiver for Oklahoma for, for Baker Mayfield. To give you an idea of the brilliant night that Baker Mayfield had, who was the leading receiver? Don't look. Well, just tell me the the position of the tight end. Receiver. Yeah, tight end. No backup tight end. <laughs> Better. Snap. <laughs> long snapper. Dimit- close. Dimitri Flowers, a fullback, <laughs> came two yards shy, getting a century on the Ohio State secondary. Dimitri Flowers had seven catches for ninety-eight yards <laughs> and a TD, a crucial TD early Man. to keep Oklahoma. In this game, this could have been so much worse, y'all. It's 31 16, but there were two fumbles early. They doubled them up by over 100 yards of offense. They they really probably should have been 37 to 40 to 16 if they were looking at this. And Baker Mayfield almost threw for 400 yards on him, threw for 386. What was really depressing to me was it's 31 it's 31 13. Like, with about eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. And Ohio State's got the ball, and they're driving. And they get all the way to the Oklahoma 17. They've got first and ten. They go three-yard run, incomplete pass, incomplete pass. It's fourth and seven. There's six and a half minutes to go. And it's a 18-point game. And they kick the field goal. And on one hand, it's like, well, yeah, you know, you, you 18 points is still a three-score game. 15 is not. But it's just like, y'all. 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 No, you knew that was you knew that shit wasn't going to work. That was like, see, we're still trying. See, I'm eating my, yeah. bro- I'm eating my broccoli, mom. Be this proud is- of me. I'm going to school, just like you said. On Ohio State's end, this is looking a lot like the Ohio State-Michigan game's going to be like 14-10. In like quintuple overtime, yeah. <laughs> we, need to, we need to talk about multiple overtimes to, to round this thing out, by the Somehow way. Somehow two safeties in overtime. Yeah, that's it. Just multiple safeties left and right and missed field goals. Is JT Barrett some sort of like, is he one of those elements at the end of the periodic table and we're just seeing his half-life? go real 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 fast it's just he, st- I, I, th- I think he's benjamin buckeye okay <laughs> so he's a freshman now oh no i'm 12 <laughs> right now he's a true freshman when he he's he, he stepped in the game as a, you know leading leading the playoff run and all that because yeah you, you go back and 2014 freshman jt barrett 64 Point six completion percentage, nine yards of passing attempt. Mm-hmm. The next year, sixty three point three completion percentage, six point seven yards per passing attempt. The next year, yards per attempt stay the same. That percentage is down to sixty one and a half. This year, 
The arts were a tempter at least up to seven, but he's down to a completion percentage of 55.7. It's just, I mean, I kind of want him to get a grad year somewhere just to see if it'd be like, nah, he, he plays cornerback now. That's how it went. <laughs> yeah. You know where he needs, you know where JT Barrett needs to play. Cause I was watching it and I thought, what kind of quarterback does he look like? The now? arena oh, league. No, better, better. He looks like a Utah quarterback. Oh, <laughs> one of those Damn. random, random I mean, event generators. Shit, if, he, if he keeps it up, he might look like a BYU quarterback at this point. Oh, that's, that's, he's that's got three just, or four more years to get there. <laughs> oh, Twenty-eight year old JT Barrett. <laughs> Kill me. Kill me. Yeah. Now, I, like so last year coming in, it was, you know, hey, let's look at JT Barrett's career passer rating. How are we not talking about this guy as like a Heisman contender? Coming into this year, it was okay, JT's had a rough year and a half, but here comes Kevin Wilson. You know, one of the greatest offensive coordinators ever. Um, Urban has had, you know, a whole off season of yelling at these kids about 31 to zero. They're going to be fired up. Kevin Wilson's going to take the charge of this thing. And nah, nope. No, you know, if you want to see somebody who's working with nothing, right? Relatively speaking, nothing but a bunch of five stars. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's nothing but a bunch of five stars, but like, look at Oklahoma, Oklahoma doesn't have a bell cow running back, right? They don't. Um, you know, Trey Sermon was good. Trey Sermon averaged 3.6 yards carry. Oklahoma only rushed for 100 yards in this. Like, I remember watching this game going like, man, they're running the ball real well. You know why? Because they ran it well when they needed to, and they still only had 104 yards. Their receiving core, there's there's not a, like a real bunch of game breakers on here. They just threw, they threw to tight ends and to otherwise unremarkable wide receivers and to... Grant Calcaterra for, for a big reception. Like they ended up with 386 yards out of dudes just getting open. You know how they got open? Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield will just shred your defense because once he starts moving, it's terrifying. He wasn't able to run for a lot. Like the defense tried to keep him in front. They tried to limit him. And for the most part they did, but it didn't matter because the way that he can sort of pong around inside a pocket, like just moving left, right, a, B, A, B, up, down, up, down, uh, inside the pocket, got dudes free. There is a moment in the third quarter where, and I don't know if you saw this play, but they get a really long completion uh, to put them in position to score. I believe it's to Michael Jones, um, where Baker Mayfield fakes, rolls right. There's a guy right there, and he just glides past him and throws the ball over a defender and in front of one for a 42-yard gain that would eventually become the score that put them up 17-13 for good. And it's breathtaking. And it just like it's just a coordinator who understands what he's working with and a quarterback who can do it, and they generate space wherever they are in the field with whoever they have. And sometimes all they have is an H-back fullback named Dimitri Flowers, and he gets seven receptions for 98 yards and destroys the Ohio State defense at home. And then you throw a flag on the field. I like it was it was I'm going to watch it again because he is that much fun to watch. It is a ways off, but I am fairly intrigued by the Oklahoma TCU game at this point. Because oh. and listen, uh, let's let's this is a bold statement. All right. I don't want everybody emailing me being like, you sure about that? 
Uh, listen, I recognize this is maybe one of the brashest things I've ever said. Arkansas is not as good as Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. But their states are right next to each other. Shit. And their colors are very similar. Mm-hmm. Shit. You know what? Arkansas is as good as Oklahoma. You convinced me. Thank you, Jason. All uh, yep. Please forward all emails to jason.kirk at boxmedia.com. I don't even think that's his email. It doesn't matter. We'll um, see if it works. Just, and we're not going to talk about this game a lot, but Austin Allen's passing line in that game. Austin Allen, a guy who, who has plenty of experience playing for Arkansas. 9 of 23 for 138 yards and one touchdown. That's bad. That's real bad. I don't know that, you know, again, I don't know what it's going to mean by the time we get to, I think that game's in November. But it will be really interesting to see what the Big 12 looks like with that Oklahoma offense and the Oklahoma State offense as well. And TCU may be becoming the kind of defense that they have been in previous years. All right, it's time to throw down the other card. Yes! We are moving to... Boise State versus Washington State. Um, Broncos up by 21 in the fourth quarter with something stupid like eight minutes left. I'm not looking any of this up. Um, And everyone had given up. I had gone ahead and on the board, I had moved Boise State to number one on the group of five New Year's six playoff bowl list. Um, Foregone conclusion, week two is over. I had decided to go to bed, by the way. When did you decide to go to bed? I think I said at one thirty I was hitting it, and then wow. uh, and then at one thirty five I was like, ah, this will probably get stupid." Yeah, you, you barely <laughs> missed it. Because I I was gonna say I made a decision, I sort of made a a strange decision. The only reason was it was even even able to get this game to overtime was because on what should have been their likely last possession. They got held to, they got stopped on like fourth and 20, or or they got to fourth and 20, and they punted the ball away. And when they did, it bounced off the back of a Boise State, not the, not the returner, another, another player near the returner for Boise State. Couldn't have seen it coming. Total fluke. And that, bizarrely, is when I said, no, this game's going to go way longer now because this has just gone full stupid. And I went to bed at that point, even though that was the peak of its craziness. Yeah, so you saw it coming down the tracks and said, nope, yeah, no, I want I'm, no part I'm, of this. I'm bail- nope, this, 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 it's sort of like watching the trailer for It and being like, yeah, mm. that's going to have kids die. No thanks. Yeah, not my, not my, not my kind of viewing. <laughs> so, so Spencer turned in because he is um, no, of I greatly I, advanced age. No, I turned in and then I reneged and said, no. Oh, no. right, right. Yeah, okay, I was like, this is going to get stupid. Caught your third wind. Caught my caught, like caught some wind, Caught some yeah. dad strength and bounced back. Yeah. Whereas Ryan gave up. Yep. Uh, I was around for the duration. Um, and my single favorite thing about it, other than, yeah, it was extreme Pac-12 after dark, and it was very, 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 very dumb. Um, and if you like long football games with a lot happening, it was your kind of thing. The single greatest thing about it was Rod Gilmore. The ESPN announcer, who is extremely by the book, extremely two percent milk, just the most. He's purred um, happily. He's purred happily. Yes, <laughs> like 
and it's not even like him calling these super nuts West Coast games. There's one way it could go that would be funny, which would be if he was completely frazzled by it. You know, like I, I just don't know why everything is breaking and going wrong. But what he does takes it to the next level in that he remains sober and sensible and rational, even when the whole world is crumbling around him. And it's admirable and it's awesome because he remains himself and he keeps trying to force insanity into something that makes sense. Like, you know, well, if you're up by 17, I think what you should do is hang on to the football. And no, they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. You know, like, oh, well, if you're in double overtime, here's what you should try to do. They're not listening to you, Rod, but it is so admirable that he still believes in everyone around him enough to keep trying. Um, and I, I think that like part of it is just screaming hilarious to listen to, but part of it is also it's inspirational. This man believes in us this much. Even when things are going wrong, he believes we can make the correct decision on the goal line. And no matter how many feces these idiots have smeared on their faces, he's still going <laughs> to believe they can pull through and just kick the field goal on fourth down. He does. There's a, there's a rational world out there somewhere that Rod Gilmore believes he can lead you to. And I can't decide whether that makes him football's greatest fool or, or noblest soul. I'm not sure which one. He is he is the character in Fallout that you encounter who insists that nuclear war did not happen. Like, Come on in, have a glass of orange juice. I think it he knows it did, but he's the <laughs> only one on earth who thinks we're gonna be fine if we just kick the ball on fourth down. <laughs> and, and it is great because every time in this game it would come up and be like you know, it's fourth and six here. You know, you got to kick. Leech is going for it. Ah. <laughs> Boise is like, you know, fourth and three. What I do here is I give them a run pass option. This is, a by the way. run pass option. This is Rod. Rod Gilmore's, like, juicing is to your, your newly health conscious friend as the run pass option is to Rod Gilmore mm. in the red zone. There is no play, no fourth and short thing. That cannot be remedied by an RPO. This is his Fitbit that he won't stop fucking talking about. <laughs> I think it's like an iPod Nano or something. Like... You could have a six foot seven, two. The thing about the run pass option is that it holds up to eight hundred songs. <laughs> you could have Jamarcus Russell back there on fourth and six, and he's like, "I think you got to roll him out and see if he could do something with his legs, or maybe get a ball to a receiver." You know. He can move a little bit. No, well, this is third down. That's third down. Because on fourth down, you better kick that ball. Yeah, kick that. You gotta take the point. Okay, well, hold on, hold on. Can you <laughs> run? Field goal. Can you kick a run pass option? Ooh, <laughs> a run kick option. Oh, if you right. come out and start doing rugby plays, Rod Gilmore would say, <laughs> "Finally, they've learned all they they've learned. They've ascended. Learn from me." Is Rod Gilmore, I, I seen, leave now. I can have return to my Aussie home planet. Bulls? Man, Rod, Gil- Rod Gilmore watching Aussie rules. And they go, oh, finally, here is here is the best summation of how dumb this game was. All of these things happened to Luke Falk during this game. He set the school record for career passing yards. He got benched after that happened. And then after the benching, he came back in and got hurt. It was amazing. Like Luke Falk <laughs> experienced every conceivable emotion. After that, he was lingering by Mike Leach, like trying to get put back in. And of course, this entire time, Rod Gilmore was 
seemed to be convinced that only Rod Gilmore could stop Luke Luke Falk from taking the field. Like, you know, they'd be discussing something barely related. And by the way, they need to remove Luke Falk's helmet. Can someone please go down there and do that? Well, that's because he oh. knows that's that's the weak spot on this boss. If you take his helmet away and you punch him when he flashes, <laughs> head is flashing, that's yeah. how you win. I'm kind of surprised Rod Gilmore doesn't wear a helmet at all times or at least a hard hat. <laughs> like just, you know, you know, one of the most common causes of death is an accident. Most of those from falling, especially if you're over 50. And at my well, age, I find wearing a hard hat just makes sense everywhere. You never know when a broadcast booth might collapse. People fall in the shower. That's why I just climb inside the washing machine. <laughs> this is, by the way, Boise State had the same thing happen. Brett Rippon, Brett Rippon was out. Montel Cozart comes in. It's not really clear, like, Brett Rippon was, was injured, or I, I, I'm still not exactly sure why he was benched. Shit got weird. Yeah, yeah. And I mean. Just a tremendously uh, dumb game. Yeah. <laughs> Also, Mike Leach called his offense constipated. But um, Wazoo has now opened the season by beating an FCS team and beating Boise State, so they will finish 3-9. and nine. Condolences. Yep, that was it. Um, that said, I would like to mention briefly that, oh boy, the race for first Arizona school to fire their coach. It's on. on it's on and popping. Which did you like better? Did you like Arizona losing to Houston? Or did you like Arizona State getting beat by 10 points by San Diego State? So many choices. So many options to choose from. Did San Diego Did San Diego State pass for, I don't know, even 75 yards in that win? No. No, they did not. Did they need to? Again, no. No, they did not. Because we, when you can run for six and a half yards an attempt... On Arizona uh-huh. State? Yeah. You're going to win you got, that game. When you got Rashad Penny in the backfield? Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny at 216 yards on 18 on carries. 18 carries! I think I like ASU more here because Arizona is probably going to beat you. T- Holy shit, that catch by Cole Beasley just now. Sorry, I looked up and saw the NFL happen. But um, So Arizona is probably going to beat UTEP next week. Arizona State has to play Texas Tech. Uh, and Texas Tech can keep you under 75 points now. Not that you could ever get there as Arizona State. After that, they have to play Oregon at Stanford and Washington. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, Todd Graham, Todd Graham, he's so fired, dude. Oh, but maybe you can pick it up at the end of the season. Nah, buddy, you gotta you gotta host USC. <laughs> you gotta go, you gotta host Colorado, who still looks good. He's gone. You got to go to UCLA. You do get to go to Oregon State. Oregon State is hot trash. They lost to Minnesota 48 to 14. But boat's been rowed. So Oregon State is kind of like your your checkpoint, your your save. Right. You can save save your game if you get to Oregon State, but you're still down to like half a life. Yeah, you're you might you might you're probably dead before you get there, Doug Graham. Your your armor is at 1%. Let me point this out, by the way. At Oliver, at Oliver in that game, their, their safety had eleven tackles. At Oliver, at Oliver had eleven tackles, and a tackle and a half for loss, and blocked a field goal. He was not handleable. And keep in mind, this is this is with them reading him a lot, right? And in, in a defense, in an offense where 
You're trying to get the ball out of the backfield and running options uh, designed around him. He still had 11 tackles. I Overall, it was a much better week for college football in the state of Texas. Houston got to play and got a win over a Power 5 team, even if it's not a very good one. Um, Baylor lost to an FBS team this time. But, uh, well, I would, I I would posit that as UT San Antonio got a win that's a texas school right kept the win in state right so that's important and texas a&m probably everything went fine (laughs) um you know that that was not the case ryan i mean they got a win you know what the board the board says w and i'll put it that way but um, until late and sometimes that just means why? why why Did they do better against the Nichols Colonels than Kirby Smart did in year one? Shit. They did. <laughs> well, this is like Kevin Sumlin. And what I'm going to assume is year 11 mm. at Texas A&M. Been a few. Been, been being paid a ridiculous amount of money for this. And um, yeah, they were they were tied with Nichols at one point in the fourth quarter. Nichols, formerly Nichols State. Not not an FBS team. They're, they're, they're an FCS team. What are they? So yeah, yeah they they got problems. They got deep. Yeah, they got troubling, problems, massive problems. You know, who doesn't have problems. South Carolina's two and zero, man. South Carolina looks awesome. They get they got <laughs> deep, they got Debo Samuel just returning kicks left and right. Their defense limited a pretty pretty solid, pretty impressive Missouri offense to I don't know less than seven hundred yards. <laughs> 13 I mean. Points. South Carolina last year, it took them six games to score nine touchdowns on offense. And this year, they've done that in two games. South South Carolina, I mean, I think Georgia still looks like probably the best team in the East. And Tennessee is like weird and fluky enough that maybe they'll still be good. Florida's garbage. I think we've established that. Yeah, Um, South Carolina is going to make for some trouble in the SEC East this season. They, They look good and they look fun. And I, I know we're saying that about a Will Muschamp team, and I'm fine with that. Because I you know what I just like... I've learned that it's not Will Muschamp that's the problem. It's Florida. It it's a it's a it's a it's a fun elevated version of a Muschamp team because yes, they're still scoring on special teams and three yard drives and all that and getting like wildly outgained by the teams they're beating. Um but it just works. Like, do you want to beat do you? Do you want to beat the raging Cajuns on a punt block, or do you want to lose to them? We probably want to beat them, right? Okay, so let's do that. That that is the stuff that has carried over so far. I don't know, man. They're throwing, they're throwing more than twenty passes a game. I know that's a low bar to set, but it's real and it's true, and it happened. Yeah, I'm confused by this, and I don't want to think about it or process it emotionally okay, yet. Okay. Um. Hold on. We have we have been very remiss in leaving out what I would argue was the most entertaining and most unexpected game of week two. Play that song. Play that horn for me. started stabbing each other it was amazing el asico you lit it the fuck up 44 41 overtime both teams over 450 yards of offense my goodness both teams over 300 yards passing 
I liked how it felt like everyone was proud of us that like our pet game was actually good. <laughs> like we didn't we didn't do this. We didn't have anything to do no. with this. You know, I'm I'm glad I'm glad people watched it and anyone whose decision was pointed in that direction because of us. Cool, 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 great, great, great. Yeah, These things think, just happen sometimes. I, I think I laughed when Bleacher Report said, oh, El is over. Oh, oh, in, <laughs> it their, was on, in some, their somebody, push somebody notification. That. Yeah, it was on a, somebody got, well, I guess thousands of people got a push notification that said El Asico, and I would imagine they said, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> and then Googled it and found y'all's post explaining <laughs> what it I is. Saw that, I saw that shared at several points. It was like, um, here's actually what El Asico means. Here's, here's what all the yelling is about. Yeah. No, it was it, that was actually probably like that was probably my favorite game to watch. It it usually is in week two for reasons that I can't explain. This year I could explain them because it was awesome and good for you, Ohio. Good for you, Iowa State. You were there. You're you're right there. Like you look pretty good. You, you look yeah. pretty fun. You, you know have, how bad you have, Iowa State is historically. You have, you have a quarterback who can slang it a little bit. I mean, yeah. his his accuracy is not crazy amazing. But well, it also helps when Iowa occasionally just like don't cover the deep man. He looks like a Charlie Whitehurst cosplay guy, and that's cool. You look like a team that had Texas fans saying, "Oh, we have oh, to go no. to Ames this year." <laughs> Jacob Park kind of looks like if Char- if Charlie Whitehurst lived in Asgard. If <laughs> you mean if Charlie Whitehurst was from Wales, like who's from Cardiff? <laughs> what is he saying? I don't know. I have no idea. I but don't God, know. He's got but a I, lot of tattoos. But I think he's, he's trying to. Confident. I think he's trying to fuck my wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. He's Carter's definitely. in the house. Jacob Park. Yeah. Um, and a, a good win for Iowa. Sure. Yeah, great. By the way, Iowa just doing it the way they've always done it with dazzling passing. <laughs> That's, well, 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 well. Dazzling passing. Two running backs. Yeah. That's yeah. perfect. Perfect. Just, this is just, completely on brand. Just so we're totally clear here. Because, yes, you're a leading receiver. Akram Wadley. Yeah, who was a badass. He's great. I mean, he, looked, he looked absolutely fantastic. El Asico, um, you know, I figure we can we can address this when somebody goes, well, if it's a good game, you can't call it El Asico. Ass is great. We're going to call it El Asico no matter what. And if it's El Asico and the game sucks, it's because it was ass. And if it was El Asico because it was good, guess what? Because it was ass. It was ass. I would so, like yeah. to, uh, Now, ass is not always good, though. And that's how I'm going to talk about Northwestern oh, Duke. Because, okay. <laughs> you know, this offseason, when we were doing previews, and I decided for whatever dumb reason, probably because I was bored, to go in on Pat Fitzgerald and Northwestern being kind of an unachieving, underachieving program in the last few years. You two and lots of other people out there were like, you're an idiot asshole. Fair. I usually am. Based on this game, fuck all of you. Because Northwestern <laughs> looked like shit against Duke. These are real numbers. Total yards. Duke, 538. Northwestern, 191. Duke on third down, 15 of 22. Northwestern, 1 of 10. Northwestern's rushing game, such as it can be considered, 21 rushing attempts, 22 yards. Time of possession, time of possession. Duke, 
41 minutes and 18 fucking seconds. Sure. Take everything you had that you used to defend Pat Fitzgerald and explain how it makes sense in a world where they get absolutely crushed by Duke and really barely beat Nevada. Simple. Simple. Who was Northwestern's motivational speaker before the Nevada game? (laughs) Um, That would be, uh, wasn't wasn't that Darren Ravel? It was was Derek, Derek himself. Derek Ravel. Dar- Donald Rovell has turned has changed the program's brand. And and that's a bad brand. I like that. I I would want to go ahead and say I have no defense for it, and Ryan was right. I do want to can I give one plot it to a team that I guarantee you they will get no other specific mentions in terms of national media. Sure. None. Uh, that would be, it was a big weekend for New Mexico State. <laughs> it was massive because in week two, the big rivalry of the Atomic Republic of New Mexico happens. It's New Mexico Lobos versus the New Mexico State Aggies. And as you all know, the Aggies are a homeless program. They don't really have a conference or a plan for their future or any real sort of existence planned, you know, beyond this season. Next season, they'll get together and be like, I guess we'll play some football. New Mexico, meanwhile, doing fairly well. Bob Davey, they actually got a guy you can write. Bob Davey's their head coach. They run like a quintuple option. It's real exciting, real interesting. Um, and New Mexico State won 30-28 to 28 in a thriller where New Mexico, New Mexico State was up. And they allowed 23 points in the fourth quarter and still won. <laughs> which the quote was, the, my favorite quote of the weekend, which was uh, from the quarterback for New Mexico State, Tyler Rogers. Man, that was stressful. <laughs> 23-point ripoff in the fourth quarter, and they still held on. So way to go, New Mexico State. No, no one else is going to love you up. Bring it in. Now we're going to tune into podcast. I ain't playing nobody, and I'll have spent 37 minutes on New Mexico State. <laughs> no, we'll talk about this for 37 minutes in detail. Like, well, it, you know, I was breaking down the film of this. You know, when I talk to coaches about New Mexico State, <laughs> they've never heard of it. <laughs> we're like, we couldn't find Las Cruces on a map. 